Hello, welcome to the highly caffeinated fitness way of Dent. Look at that. Episode 29 and we're still getting the title right. <laughs> How are you doing, Shona? I'm very well, thank you. I'm on the countdown for me holidays. Yeah. Me holidays. Where are you off to? Marbella. Marbella. Marbella, yeah. Looking forward very to it. Very nice. It'll Can't be nice wait. and sunny, hopefully. I know. Yeah. What hopefully, are you, hopefully. What are you saying? Uh, Need much, need much, just uh, again, chilling, chilling, okay, chilling. Need much, <laughs> much else. Uh, work, work, that's about it. Nah, mm-hmm. just, just, just getting shit done, basically. Mm-hmm. Getting shit done. Uh, so we've got six questions today. I don't know, we're throwing a curveball, we're adding the next question in. It's mm. Just how to screw it all over. Uh, so let's start off. What are the benefits of incorporating resistance training into a weight loss program? So I think most people always think, I think I'd put something about this earlier on this week, is that everybody thinks that weight loss means, or when you're in a weight loss program or fat loss, you're trying to burn calories. Yeah. And that's not the case whatsoever. Like if you're training, you're not burn, you're not trying to burn calories. And also, I think people overestimate how many calories they actually burn when they're training. Yeah. Like, I just burned 3,000 calories doing a leg workout. No, you haven't. <laughs> you probably burned closer to 300 in practice, probably less. Yeah. Um, so the the benefits, obviously, of incorporating uh, um, tra- resistance training into your your fat loss phase is a muscle building. You build more muscle. You'll see more muscle. Uh, increased bone density, better posture, um, but increased mental and physical well being, especially at the time when you may potentially be in a deficit. Yeah. Uh, increased confidence and of course increased sexiness whilst naked. Always, <laughs> always. <a good laughs> well, that is very true. Yeah. Always yeah. I think it is. It's about the the body composition itself, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you could do, you could lose a lot of body fat just purely doing cardiovascular work. Uh, yeah. It may not necessarily give you the body composition and structure that you want. Yeah. Um, so. For example, I had a client come to me who did a lot of cardiovascular work just to lose weight. Now, she lost it quite fast, but unfortunately, she got left. Because of the size that she was to start with, she had a lot of excess skin left. Had she incorporated some weight training, she might not have had as much excess skin left over. And if we'd monitored the rate at which she was losing the body fat, it it probably would have been a, a more aesthetically pleasing body composition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think that the weight training is just a really good partner to yeah. to weight loss journey. Well, that's it. I think actually, in a in a fat loss phase, I don't. I, I'm not a massive fan of the word the weight loss. It's fat loss we're looking at. Ah, well, yes, that's, that's yeah, sorry, yeah, that's, that's one thing. Yeah. No, that's the question was weight loss, but I think fat loss is the one that we currently need to yes. look at. When you're yeah, training, yeah. you're actually. And if you're training and you're trying to lose fat, you're actually trying to hold on to muscle. So you're yeah. trying to keep a hold of it and not lose it. So like this goes to like the very top. Like I remember um, Flex Lewis, who was like the two one two bodybuilding Olympia bodybuilding champion, Welsh guy, and he always used to hang about two hundred forty two pounds. Uh-huh. He had to get to two hundred twelve pounds to 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 wear in the two one two category, and he was lean as shit all year round <laughs> in comparison to like the majority of people so he would have to sacrifice muscle over that point yeah but what we're trying to do in a fat loss phase is we're trying to hold on to the muscle that you've built yes because you don't want to lose it yeah i mean it reduces your chance of um, injury as well because yeah. you're supporting the joints 
Um, and there's a few studies been brought out recently, uh, which I've done a few posts on. Um, but it is reducing the risk of falls in the elderly um, by incorporating some strength training into their program because the joints are so secure and structurally sound yeah. with having the the muscle development from and, from strength training. And also, if you in like sort of the older age group as well, the stronger you are, the less likely you are, or the more robust you'll be if you fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll that's true. Basically, yeah. bounce rather than break. Yeah, you're not going to knock a hip out. Yeah, hopefully. exactly. <laughs> that's the idea. <laughs> Um, cool. Number two, what are some effective strategies for overcoming a fat loss plateau? Patience. Uh, yeah, I know. That's a funny one. I get clients asking this all the time. So I think we need to kind of define, first of all, what is a plateau? So basically a yeah. plateau is where you feel that you have stagnated in your fat loss goal. Yeah. However, <laughs> this is why scale using the scale only as your progress marker is the biggest yes. fuck known to man. So true. Because you'll know this, like for the years that we've done this, like scale fluctuates, especially as a female, fluctuates yeah. quite very regularly. Yeah. And can be quite a big fluctuation as well. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that if you were to then look at progress pictures from one month to a month later, yeah. there's not going to be big differences. Yeah. Um and that's the kind of stuff that we need to look at. But yeah. for me, I always think that people feel that they're plateauing after two weeks. Yeah, like they do. I know. They two don't weeks give it time. isn't a plateau. Yeah. I would say two months. Yeah. Three months even is a plateau. Yeah. Because things haven't moved. But the plateau may be on the scale, but may not be on your progress pictures. Yeah. I mean, from a mathematical point of view, you know, if you were constantly 70 kilograms for three weeks, then yes, technically that is a plateau. But it's not necessarily a plateau in progress because in that length of time you could look completely different at seventy kilograms. Yes, yeah. so. you may be getting stronger, you may be getting more defined, yeah. you may be building more muscle, uh, and this is the kind of thing that we have to look at. The weight yeah. loss plateau is generally dictated about by people who focus on the scale number yeah. rather than on all the other progress markers that yeah. you have around about that are actually more important. I mean, I guess it does fall back to what is your goal and targets at the end of the day. Because if it was weight, then yes, okay, maybe that is a plateau. But as we said, there's other factors and measurements of yeah. progress that you've got to take into consideration. That's it. And it's, it's, it's basically, the, the name of the game is patience. You know, we've... Patience is a virtue. Exactly. That not many of us employ. Um, I think you're the same as me, though. We do when it comes to fitness, but other things, not so much. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. <laughs> not so much. But uh, yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's... A plateau is one of these ones where you do sit and go, well, is it a plateau? It's yeah, been I know. three days, nothing's moved. Yeah. Can't held down. It's been three weeks, nothing's moved. Can't held down. Yeah. But again, it's... What a what your goal is, and also what you use as your progress markers, which is why we are very much about pushing other progress markers alongside scale weight. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Uh, right, number three. Is it better to consume protein before or after a workout for muscle growth and recovery? How long is a piece of string? Yeah, I know. I know. Before or after, it doesn't really. It doesn't really matter. Um, if. I personally I find it very difficult to eat before a training whereas I know you can eat basically until you start yeah, lifting that's, yeah. and I find it quite difficult to eat after training so something like a shake for me within the sort of half an hour after training is yeah. probably ideal for me 
Um, That's definitely a trial and error one, I think. Yeah, because yeah. I, <laughs> it's one of those ones I remember eating before a training session and most of it came <laughs> back up, so it's um, not fun. So yeah, um, it's definitely trial and error, and it's it's a, it's muscle, it's muscle, it's um, protein across the, the course of the day for stimulation of muscle, muscle protein synthesis. Yeah. And then you're looking at 25 grams per, of protein probably every four hours. Um, so if you were to have four meals, that's 100 grams of protein minimum, plus any extras yeah. that you may have. Sounds about right, perfect for You'll find a study for both. Yeah. to support both so you know if you if you want to look at it from a scientific standpoint there are studies to support having protein before a workout and there are studies to support having protein after um, I mean protein plays an important role in repairing and rebuilding muscles um, after the breakdown in exercise so if you wanted to look at it in that retrospect then yeah it probably would be good yeah. to have after but there are plenty studies that would support having it before as well so it is just a trial and error how you know and which one works best for you yeah absolutely absolutely um oh this is an interesting one what are some healthy snack options to fuel a workout and curb hunger hmm. kind of similar to the last question if you are trying to fuel a workout you don't need to necessarily eat prior to the training you yeah. could be an early morning trainer in which case the fuel that you've taken in excuse me i got up the night that's <laughs> from my protein shake pro, <laughs> The, the fuel that you've taken in the night before may be more than enough to be able to fuel your training session if you're training at sort of 6 a.m. in the morning. Yep. Uh, but, you know, you may still want to get up in the morning and have like a banana or you know, a cup of coffee or something like that to sort of wake you up, give you a little bit of fuel yep. and a little bit of energy as well. Um, and again, a lot of it's about exactly as you said in the last one, trial and error. Mm-hmm. There'll be snacks that you feel that are that work. There'll be snacks that, feel that you feel don't work. Um, for me don't snack before training um, but snacking for hunger simple stuff like fruit and veg is always yeah. an idea low calories for low, lower calorie options Yeah. but you've got stuff like protein bars protein shakes you know protein uh, all these sort of kind of like uh, skinny bars and stuff like that that yeah. are low calories and if you may need a bit of a sweet tooth hit that might give you the benefit of getting a sweet tooth hit yeah. something like that when it comes to you know, increasing your satiety rate, you want to look at having more um, slow-acting carbohydrates, so slow-releasing re- carbs in comparison to fast-acting ones, okay? So that's that's purely looking at food content mm. because not all calories are equal. Um, so your all non-starchy vegetables contain your slow carbohydrates. So that's things like leafy greens, spinach, kale, broccoli. They're going to give you a long-lasting, higher satiety rate in comparison to something like, I'm trying to think of a sweet eat bar, I actually literally can't think of any. Mars bar. Mars bar, there you go. <laughs> Mars bar, which is quite fast-acting, which means you don't necessarily get that long-lasting fullness. Um, everything that's high in fibre as well, you know, peppers, onions, you know, I'm trying to think of other examples, um, asparagus, they're all going to fill the gut and keep you fuller for longer because you get more bang for your buck as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, question number five. This is a good one. Uh, are you supposed to be hungry when you're on a deficit? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. It's funny, I get clients asking me this all the time. They're like, oh my God, it's not right. I'm hungry. I'm like, yes, it is. 
Because if, if you weren't, do you not think, I mean, everybody would be in amazing condition if we felt full and satisfied in a deficit. Everybody would be shredded, we'd be out of job. Yeah. Um, it's why people struggle to stay on plan and stick to routine because they don't like the uncomfortable sensation of being slightly hungry. hungry. Yeah. And what do they say to people? You need to step outside your comfort zone for anything that you want. And that's yeah. exactly the same here. Like, yeah, you can do your best to fill your calories that you have when you're in a deficit with highly satiating foods like, as John mentioned previously, your sort of greens, your veg, yeah. sort of bulk out your meals. But there are going to be times where you're hungry and mm-hmm. it's that point where you then need to pull on your adult pants and no. go, actually, this is natural, it's normal, my body's not used to yeah. eating slightly less mm-hmm. or tight even like just tidying up your nutrition you'll be hungry. Like yeah. You don't even need to kick, like, make a massive deficit, just structuring eating. Because you had free like also psychologically, because you probably had free license previously and you've just eaten what the fuck you want whenever well, you yeah, want. Exactly. If you then structure eating, your body's then like, oh my god, I'm in a, a, a oh routine. Oh my god, yeah. I've not got enough food, I can't just go to the cupboard and grab something so you're yeah. psychologically thinking oh my god I'm, not, I'm eating less yeah and that's another mindset thing of when you're on a diet you kind of just got to let your you've kind of just got to sort of roll with the roll with the hunger unfortunately yeah. and i do think as well especially just now where obesity is ridiculous in our country um i think people are more accustomed to the sensation of being in a surplus and being to a point of like I'm so full I, I feel slightly nauseous yeah. and I think they deem that as a happy maintenance phase so when they reach this point of deficit it's almost unbearable for them because yeah. they've been used to it for so long yeah um, that's exactly right and I think it's the, you know hunger is something that will come yeah I mean, there are obviously strategies to be able to cope with that or to be able to try to curb hunger yeah uh, with like so maybe this is where something like t- meal timing doesn't yeah. really matter until something like this comes up yeah. you may need to structure where your meals sit in the day slightly differently so if you get the energy lull at 3 o'clock you maybe want to move your lunch from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock yeah. so that you've got that little bit your your 3pm lull isn't as heavy as it was previously when your your meals were further away from it. Yeah. So there's lots of little ways that you can play around yeah. with that and sort of, and find ways to sort of manipulate it. That's true. I will play devil's advocate though and say, let's say a client came to you, Andy, and they were absolutely like Hank Marvin. They were just so so hungry and they were only consuming maybe six hundred seven hundred calories a day. Oh, you're definitely going up. Nobody's at six or seven calories a day. That's somebody's trying to kill themselves. <laughs> somebody's but, trying yeah. to Because, yeah, you could go the complete polar opposite and you could be too starving and hungry. Um, and then you do obviously need to address your calorie intake, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's, you know, there's a lot of this stuff at the moment with certain people's nutritional um, plans, like the 800 calorie a day job. Which What's is, that? So it's 800 calories a day, I think is, is it Michael Mosley? So Who can eat that? That's my breakfast. Well, that's the thing. So, like, does it work? Yes. Well, yeah. But yeah, then again, yeah. so does Herbalife. So the Juice Plus. All these meal replacement shakes, they yeah. all work. But the reason they work is because you're absolutely savaging calories. Yeah. So 800 calories a day is so low that you'll only manage to do that for a certain amount of yeah. time. And the issue that we have from that point is, is that... Is, when you have finished that and you've managed to get the weight loss that you've that you want, 
how do you then come back from that? Yeah. Because you go back to eating two thousand calories a day. Yeah. And your maintenance is your maintenance is all over the place. You just yeah. added twelve hundred calories in straight off the bat and you're gonna put weight back on. Yeah. And it's that managing that middle ground, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. You know, there's 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 too low and then there's obviously too high as well on the opposite sides. But we just need to be smart about it. And it's yeah. kind of the reason why you you want to work with a coach. Even if you do like a limited spell of time with a coach to be able to understand these uh-huh. cues and understand yeah. how to manipulate certain things. Well, you learn and that's how it's that's mm-hmm. how these things come up. So Yeah. Yeah. Um and the final question is are there exercises to help with posture? I would suggest that you you're obviously because you've got the sort of therapy side of stuff as the sports therapy side of yeah. stuff as well, you will see loads of people who are desk bound who are ah, really hunched shoulders so the majority of people probably posturally need to do more back work um, yeah. and I'll probably I'll go out on a limb and say because we've had this conversation before the majority of young females in the gym need to stop doing as much glute work and start focusing on yes. other areas because, yes, yes, yes. Because you, you said that I remember you telling me that a while ago that you reckon you'll see within the next like sort of couple of years yep. more younger females coming through with lower back pain because their their glutes are so tight hip flexors are locked up yep. backs in pieces and it's like it's that ha- again it's a happy medium I know great great to work on a butt and get a good butt but you need to it's your, your physique is a full spectrum yeah. and it all ties in mm-hmm. so your lower back may be tight but then it's going to cause issues for your upper back yeah. so it all runs into one which will then cause issues into your hamstrings and your yep. legs so you yeah. need to just be smart about these things. Yeah, that's why I do a bit of education work with my clients and we just recently covered a topic on antagonistic muscle groups. So if you think of your body as, or your muscle groups as a seesaw, so on one side of the seesaw you have your hamstrings. Now if you dominate your hamstrings that seesaw goes off balance and the other side goes up in the air. Yeah. So you need to look at the opposing muscle group or the antagonistic muscle group. So on the other side of the seesaw you have your quads. So you want to make sure that they are balanced. If you're working one side you need to complement it by working the other and posturally that will give you the best possible outcome. So for those who are hunched yes you do need to work your back but then you also need to complement it by working the chest as well. Yeah. So it's having that. It's it's basically a lot of postural stuff is movement, isn't it? It's yeah. like you get people sat in a chair for six or seven hours a day. Yeah. If they were to get up once every half an hour, yeah. go get a glass of water, Absolutely. or just go walk around the desk, or a coffee, or a coffee, something like that. Yeah, yeah. you would probably find that they would be in a much better place posturally yeah. from that point. Um, I mean, your your muscles are structurally supporting the skeletal. The skeletal side things. So, yeah. if you have a strong erector muscles that's around your back, um, then it is supporting your spine to be in a nice straight postural style. So, yeah, yeah you, you you do just have to use initiative. Actually, yeah. you know, just think about it. If you're hunched and you're got that really nasty looking posture, think about what what do I need to work to get my shoulders to become more upright. Yeah, it's even things like just this is why. You know, the set a sedentary lifestyle is not something that humans are designed for. We yeah. need to move and we need to stand up and even standing up and doing a little bit of stretching at your desk, roll your shoulders yeah. back and keep your chest high, just little little fixture points like that that just pull your your posture back in. And um, 
but it depends exactly the question depends on what posture if you're you may you may work too much back and you've got no chest muscles yeah you may need to work chest you may need to do the opposite it might be that you've got overactive glutes and you need to work more quads and um bits like that so yeah it depends on what posture um what postural exercises you're looking at and yeah. where it needs to be worked um but yeah absolutely right and that's us i don't think we have anything else let me just check on no. on the gram um, password let's check in what, who are you on Instagram straight with Shona and I'm Andy underscore ESG fitness um, you can catch us on either of them or at the highly underscore caffeinate underscore FWI uh, if you if you would be so kind if you've listened to this screenshot tag us share it over your social media it means that the algorithms that Spotify and Amazon and um Amazon and Apple Music use it means that you become more visible to people that may need help and may enjoy the podcast. Yeah. So apart from that, have an awesome time. Yes. Ciao ciao. Bye.